What is up? Welcome to Forefront 360, a podcast where we take you all around the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. I'm your host, Cody Schweikert, and I am with Nate Mancini and Richard J. Christman. The third. The third. Rich, I decided to add your middle initial in there. It felt right today. That's nice. Wow. Is that okay? Yeah, it's all right. Joseph, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Sorry if that's not public. We can delete it, but... Uh, it's fine. Okay. Nate, do you have a middle name? I do. You strike me as one of those guys that just doesn't have one. No, I do. Okay, what is it? Give me, give us the the syllable. I mean, not syllable, the, the first letter. The letter is H. Oh. Oh, are we going to guess now? Well, yeah. I think it's Henry. No, it's not. Is it, a, is it an odd name or is it very common? It's it's not very common. Oh, can you just tell us? You got to guess one, Cody. Uh, you got to guess. Hank. It's not Hank. Rich says Henry. Cody says Hank. Nate Hank Mancini. (laughs) Hank is a nickname for Henry for some reason. I don't know. Is it really? um, It is. It is. But I'm not Henry or Hank. Uh, The name is Holt. Is it after a grandfather? It is after not a grandfather, but a family name. Distant relative. That's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Interesting. Tori Holt. What's your middle name, Cody? You You know my middle name. Um, I thought I thought that was like kind know, of a Instagram public domain. Starts with an A. Adam. The got first, it. Got it. Got one it. Of the first names. Cody it's Adam. Literally got it. It's an older name, but first it checks man. out. Yeah. Okay. Confused, confused the oldest name, time. actually. Well, friends, you are not tuning in to hear about our boring middle names. Well, Nate's is not boring, but uh, you're here well, to you. to hear about. Uh, we're gonna do some soul searching this episode. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, you already so, found it and watched it before this. Hopefully you found it because we are going to be talking about Pixar's latest movie, Soul. Soul was directed by Pete Doctor. Is it Pete or Peter? It's Pete. Okay, this is a huge idol of Nate's. Is that right? I I love Pete Doctor. Yeah, he's he's a talented guy. We're not supposed to make idols, but I do love <laughs> him and his movies. Pete Doctor. This movie was released uh, Christmas Day of last year, so. This is way back in 2020. This movie came out. Gosh, remember 2020? Uh, yeah, such a good shortest year, year ever. Such it a flew non-memorable by. year. I yeah. just it just flew by. And honestly, you know, all those big movies that came out in 2020, this one just got lost in the shuffle, right? So mm-hmm. many big mm-hmm. theatrical releases. Yeah, uh, tent poles. Yeah, what a year! It's sad that it's over, but here we are, um, reflecting on it and enjoying a great movie that came out, and it's. If you've seen it, you know exactly why the folks here at Forefront are interested in chatting about it. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll try to do a quick summary. Um, please help me out, boys. If I, I find this incredibly difficult for some reason. I've got a master's degree in English language arts, and I summarizing a story, a that plot, is, of, is so difficult That for is me. one of the common core skills. I know. Summarizing I, a plot. I yeah. need to be able to know how to do this, but here I go. I'll try. I'm going to blame the the fact that this movie is bonkers and not the fact that I can't do plot summary. but You will try. I will try. <laughs> let's see. Um, let's try this. Ready? Uh, so, so Cody, this, this plot summary you're about to do, is this... Are we are we doing spoilers here? Are we are we going to spoilers? Is this something that, you know, people should have watched the movie before they listen to this or should they, they forge ahead even if they haven't seen it? So I would say if, you, if you're interested in watching this movie, definitely watch it beforehand because uh, the conversation we want to have is definitely going to include uh, spoilers. We're really breaking this movie down. <laughs> so go go get that Disney Plus, watch the movie. That's right. Yeah, the movie's available on Disney Plus right now. Yeah, so, so pause this. Watch the entire it, Mandalorian series. 
and, and then, then watch, watch Soul. Soul. Yeah. And then come on back. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, okay. So now Cody's going to give his plot summary. So we've got uh, Joe, a gifted jazz musician, uh, dies slash nearly dies just after getting the career opportunity of his life. He avoids the great beyond and finds himself in a place called the great before, which is an ethereal kind of place where souls are formed before they assume bodies and go to earth. Yes, this is a Pixar movie I'm describing. Stay with me. Uh, Joe meets a soul named 22, struggling to find her purpose and identity. So some trippy mystical dudes, hippie guys help Joe get back to earth, but he accidentally ends up in a cat's body and 22 ends up in his body and then they go on a wild goose chase, encounter friends, family, pizza, and learn a lot about each other and themselves. And uh, both characters find their purpose in life. Uh, Question mark? Lots of other plot. Uh, the enemy, I guess, in this is this one-dimensional squiggly Casper ghost calculator guy who... Terry? Terry realizes that um, Joe has eluded death and the count is off. Um, so these these people are like working for the universe, apparently. The Jerry's and the Terry's are uh, universal forces. And that's about as... as it, it's vague, I think, on purpose and probably wisely so. Metaphysical. But, yeah, so uh, they're being chased down. There's some conflict between the characters. There's lots of self-discovery. It's extremely philosophical. And I've already, I've already failed to discuss the plot i'm getting off track it's gone off the, plot, the rails but. so that's my best attempt at uh the plot of this movie the ending is a lot of um intricate things happen as far as uh characters finding themselves and assuming their bodies on earth and escaping death fair enough uh yeah. hey <laughs> that, man fair enough fair enough man uh rich i hope that you just assume like the moon wind persona, which is the mystics without borders character who just drives that. My favorite ship. character. He's, by the, a long he's shot. the sign twirler. Yeah, on the love street him. Excellent corner. Yeah. Love him. Um, so just embrace that persona for us, this whole show. Okay. That'd be great. Uh, gentlemen, what did, uh, so first of all, I've, I've watched it once. Um, I think like right before new year's and then watched it again today to prepare for this just because I'm a consummate professional. I care deeply mm-hmm. about this radio program and show the integrity prep. of it. Show prep. All about show prep. Uh, did you? When did you guys watch it? I watched it for the first time last night. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, I watched it a few days after Christmas. It came out Christmas Day, and I was very excited to see it. So a few days after Christmas, uh, I watched it with, with some family members. Uh, so that that was fun to kind of see it with a group and kind of see other people's reactions. And then I watched most of it um, just over the past couple days to kind of refresh my memory. Did you? So the first time you watched it, you weren't at home. Is no, right? I was. No, I was in New Jersey. Yeah. So was that stressful for you? Without, I mean, you've got the surround sound here. You've got a very particular setup that mm-hmm. is appropriate for a movie buff like yourself. Was it? Do you enjoy watching a movie like that? That's you're very serious about in a location you're not used to i mean it was already crazy not being in a theater right i mean typically you'd go see a new pixar film in a theater for for onward and for this one i gotta gotta watch it at home um but no i mean the tv had had actually like darker blacks than my tv has so that was nice Mm -hmm. it had some nice contrast um the sound we tried to keep the sound like reasonably low uh, which i didn't like because i I like you know big booming sound Mm -hmm. um and you know if you you can hear it somewhere else 
you know, just enjoy it. Right. So right. that, that was unfortunate, um, but I made it through. You were probably pretty humble about that. You bared your cross. You didn't make a big fuss about I it. I did. So. I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Good. You know, be like Jesus, uh, being silent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Didn't open your mouth. That's good. That's, I probably would have made a fuss about it, but you're a better man than me. But now I can do it on a podcast and broadcast it <laughs> to hundreds of people, which, <laughs> you know, is it's, great. It's not that Christ-like, yeah. but the chickens come home to roost, et cetera, et cetera. <laughs> Very good. So gentlemen, what are, what's your initial reaction? So I'm seeing this stuff online. I'm in this movie group I follow and people are raving about this soul movie. You got and your I, finger on the pulse of the I industry. Do. Well, I do. I mean, I kind of in the know, you know, it's no big deal. I'm part of a Facebook group of over 200 individuals that uh, it's very exclusive. You have to let, you have to ask for permission and they let you in as long as you're not clearly a robot. So uh, anyway, I'm hearing great stuff about this movie and I'm already, I already respect what Pixar does. And so I've, you know, a new Pixar movie comes out. I'm probably going to see it, but I I heard some really good stuff about it. So my expectations were high and uh, I want to know what's your initial reaction after the movie ends. What are you thinking? Within, before the movie even ended, my uh, key reaction was that this movie was unlike most, if not all, other Pixar movies in that it very much felt like an adult character study film that happened to be animated. With the exception of the uh, fantastical parts like the souls and the, you know, Terry's and whatever. Um, the the parts that were on Earth, I even I almost forgot that I was watching an animated movie, mm-hmm. which yeah. speaks to the brilliance of the animation. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that's not even the point I'm trying to make. But I think that this was very much Pixar's first adult centered movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've always made. They've always said that they make films for themselves. You know, the creators of the films always say, like, I make the movies I want to see. And then it just so happens that that kids enjoy them. So Pixar's always said that, uh, and and they've always made films that adults have enjoyed and, and found to be excellent movies. But to your point, this one in particular felt geared toward adults in a way that that previous ones haven't. And I think it speaks to um, the clout that Pete Doctor has at Pixar now. Like he's literally running Pixar now. And the fact that he's made all of these incredibly popular and, and excellent films, he can pretty much do whatever he wants now. He, mm-hmm. He's almost in kind of a Christopher Nolan position now. And I think, I think this was like the movie he wanted to make. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, it's super weird and ethereal and crazy and pre- has these pretty like mature themes, but he just like went for it. Yeah. That is my initial reaction too, is that, it ended and I'm, you know, before it even ended, I'm like, whoa, this is like no other Pixar movie I've ever seen in that. I think that the magic of Pixar movies is that they are, uh, I think, you know, they're primarily for kids, but adults find themselves loving them. And I think that's really hard to tell a story like that, that appeals to, mm. to so universally like that. This one, you know, maybe, maybe you guys could argue with me and disagree, but I'm just, I'm really surprised if tons of kids enjoy this. It just doesn't feel like if I'm five years old or (laughs) six or seven or even eight or nine, I'm not sure I'm into this movie. Like the stuff with, oh, the man is in the cat. I get it. That's funny. And he scratched them and now they're eating pizza. And okay, um, that stuff is kind of funny, but Mm -hmm. 
it's, it's the movie so much more than that. Um, the fir- I mean, the first I, 20, 30 minutes almost is he's just in this ethereal plane and you're getting a bunch of exposition about this, the, the state of the existence of everything. I don't know. I also yeah. think that the movie is in a lot of ways too complicated for kids. And I'm not, mm. I'm not putting down kids. I'm saying that I think that the, I, I imagine, you know, I think of kids I know, like my little cousins and stuff that I spent a lot of time with, I think they would have a hard time understanding what was going on. Like, I mean, they would see what was what was happening, but I don't think they would fully grasp the story or the gravity of these decisions. Yeah. And I also think that a lot of that is due to not only the way the movie's written, but also the issues that the characters find themselves in are very adult issues yeah, that yeah. you you can't really understand until you've been in that position. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the most salient thing about the story is how it, it reflects on like what does it mean to have a purpose in life and to have dreams that are deferred and dreams that are reached and kids just like have not lived long enough to have those experiences and to be able to look back and for it to be meaningful for them. Yeah. It's not that they're stupid. It's just, a, I think it's a literal matter of experience. I mean, kids are still being told by their teachers that they can be whatever they want to be. And that is not the that message of this just, movie. The yeah. message of this movie is so much more nuanced than that. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing because I, I was thinking about saying something like you know, only adults kind of know that feeling that like there's nothing left to their life or they've failed or life is meaningless. And then I kind of caught myself and realized like, well, you know, that, that is something that teenagers deal with. I mean, yeah. certainly like there is an epidemic of depression and sometimes even suicide uh, in our culture. And, and so it, it's obviously true that teenagers can deal with that feeling of their life not being worthwhile or having no meaning or purpose in life. But I think that th- there is kind of a difference where often as a teenager, I think it's maybe a little bit more relational, like people don't accept you or you're you're not loved mm-hmm. enough or something. And I think uh, for for this theme, it's more of that adult, like I've been striving my whole life and I haven't reached my purpose. I haven't done what I was meant to do or what I was meant to do uh, wasn't fulfilling yeah and that's something that it really is a teenager you, you typically don't get to that point as, as a kid or as a teenager that's it really is something that like at middle age that's what adults are talking about um mm-hmm. like what is left for me kind mm-hmm. of thing and that that's what this movie is is really about mm-hmm. i'm gonna throw this out there and it's a controversial take but and i'm not i don't stand strongly on it but i want to hear your thoughts <clears throat> is this movie better if it's live action, hear me out. We, we get the same cast, right? We'll do Jamie Fox, uh, and Tina Fey will will voice dub Tina Fey over Jamie Fox's voice when we need to. But uh, is it taken? We'll, we'll train a cat. The, the the I mean the ideas and the the conflicts are so uh, mature that if you if this is like a really well executed live action film, you almost think of it as like whoa, this is like an Oscar-worthy movie. This is like classic. This is a really important text. And maybe that's me not taking animated films seriously enough when I really should, and I look down on animated films as like less than when maybe that's totally unfair. Uh, but what are what are our thoughts on that? By the way, if I'm doing this, 
I'm going to keep all, all the spiritual plane stuff is going to be some sort of like creative animation. Mm-hmm. Um, what thoughts? What do we think? You know, well, I mean, first of all, anybody who knows me uh, knows that I have, I am actually more fond of animated films than live action films. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm coming from the opposite perspective. So you hate me right you. now. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. hate me right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, but I just, when people have asked in the past, you know, in se- settings like this, like, what are your, like, top five favorite movies? Like, three of my top five favorite movies of all time are animated. Right. So, you know, but the, uh, but anyway, that being said, um, I think that... Shrek 1, 2, 3. My top five <laughs> movies are Shrek 1, 2, 3. Cars 1, 2. Cars 1 and 3. No, Cars no, 1 and 3. <laughs> no, but the, um, Cars 2 and 3. No, but, but really, in all seriousness, <laughs> thank you. I think that... Um, I think if this movie was live action, it would be even less accessible to young people. Um, so if that's something that we want, you know, fine. But I think that the, I think that it would be, my wife said while we were watching it, that it, it reminded her aesthetically of the movie Ghost, which Cody, we actually watched for the first time with uh-huh, you. Yeah. But the idea of like this live action movie that plays with these like, hard believe spiritual right. elements or whatever. Right. And I think that I, I think it would be hard to make this movie earnestly in a live action way. Fair enough. Is the music, at least the music in this is incredible. The protagonist is it a is. jazz pianist and the music is amazing. Is yeah. the music at least appreciated more if it's live action? I don't see why it would be any different. Okay. Yeah, I mean, maybe like when I think back to something like uh, La La Land, that that music was very appreciated, and, and the the interplay between the music and the people playing it was so core to the film that people I think really really enjoyed that. Um, so I think maybe the jazz would be maybe equally uh, enjoyed in, mm-hmm. in that regard, and and people love depictions of jazz and certainly this film has some great ones but i I think the the trent reznor and atticus ross score uh would probably work either way probably shines better as it is just because i don't know when you hear the music in these these kind of particularly the silent animated portions the music just shines through Mm -hmm. in an incredible way because there's there's no uh, location sound, right? Because they're not filming on location. Everything's created. And so sometimes the sound just kind of fades into the background, and it's just music. Mm-hmm. There's some beautiful sequences in this film that, that the music comes to the forefront. And uh, so I, I think people are rightly praising praising the music uh, as it is. Yeah. I also really liked the, I mean, the music, you, you got to think of the jazz, obviously. It's central to the story. But mm-hmm. I also noticed that I really liked the ambient music in yeah. the the, bef- the great before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, like, techno-y ambient music that's mm-hmm. really, like, it was, uh, I don't know, it, it was catchy to me. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, I think I agree with you guys. I, I wanted to throw it out there to at least have a discussion, but... Um I love that it's I love that it's a mature movie than it's animated. I think it's uh, a bold choice, and I, I love it. I totally love the movie. Um, I I do want to talk about uh, did it bite off more than it could chew? Mm. Is it is it a little intricate in its like the mechanics of its? It's essentially laying out an entire like treatise on the state of existence. It's like these are the rules. You go here, then you go here. And you need this, you get like this Boy Scout, Girl Scout badge before you can get to Earth. Your soul needs to be like put together 
and you need to have a personality and a spark, and you can't go to Earth until you have your spark and discover what your purpose is. But it's bold. It, please, please let me answer this question. Yes, go. <laughs> you said, "Did this movie bite off more than it could chew?" My answer is, this movie bit off something that it should have been able to chew, knowing what Pixar is capable of doing. Right, but it didn't chew it. It's a little. What mm. do you mean? Did, did, I I I have suss, suss that out. Pixar has created movie after movie that blows away expectations yeah, right. in how they can make ridiculous concepts lovable and how they can make very deep emotional concepts accessible to children. Right. And I think that this movie picked a fruit off the tree, which is this fantastic thing that we all think about. And like, we all experience this. We are like, do, do I have a soul? What does that mean? What happens after we die? What happens before we're born? You know, what is the purpose of life? Right. All these huge questions. I have every faith that Pixar can make a movie that answers those questions or, or at least does due diligence in working towards those questions. And I feel like this movie, frankly, this movie felt to me like a pitch of a larger movie or a larger story. Like a longer, like minutes, like longer. I don't know about that, but like to me, it felt similarly to like, okay, we want to make this movie, you know, that answers these massive questions. And here's an idea that we have. It felt to me that the movie was that we got is just an idea that like barely brushes the surface of what this could have been. Well, it's ambitious in that the literal movie is like, what if we made a movie that explores the meaning of life? <laughs> Which is like the basic, deepest, most unknowable apart from Christ. And like we're talking in like a, a general secular setting here, the most unknowable like questions. We're gonna we're gonna make a kids movie about that. And I mean let's not yeah. let's not uh, balk either. I mean, Christians, even though we we know on paper, right, the purpose of life. Um, we struggle we with this know. question as much as anyone. Plenty we don't. Yeah, know. Yeah. It, it yeah. is just so massively ambitious, which is why it's so wonderful and profound, and also I think the the weakness of it. Yeah, and, and this this is where we get to my biggest critique of the film. I would say my initial reaction was mixed. I, I really enjoyed the film, but I felt that there was something about it that didn't quite land for me. And so while I, I want to at one, at one point say, I love all the things we've talked about, the music, the realization of New York city. Um, I think the, the character of Joe Gardner is really interesting, bold mm-hmm. concept, uh, honestly, some hilarious scenes. Very I mean, funny. Very funny. There are some yeah. really funny things uh, again for adults, like things like when 22 is describing her mentors, like mother Teresa and Copernicus <laughs> yes. and stuff like that. It's hilarious stuff that like you would only get if you were like an educated person. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, so funny and so bold that they stuck yeah. those jokes in like so brashly into this movie. Like a, Lincoln pretends to be modest, but then yeah. he finds out while he's on the penny, Andrew Jackson's on the 20. Jackson! He's like, what? That guy was a bag. That's great. So yeah. there, there's so much good stuff in this in this movie. And yet what I felt, and, and I, I agree with Rich's take that, that Pixar has the ability to take on these concepts, but I think here there were a lot of themes they were dealing with. And Cody, you mentioned this idea of like, you know, this combination of like, 
you know, what are we, what is a soul? I think of this, you know, the body, mind, soul combination. What is a person? Like, mm-hmm. who are we? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a person? What, what would it mean to be like a lost soul? That's something that they, they deal with. Then there's this idea that like passion is not the same as purpose. Um, life is more than just chasing your dreams. There's this idea that, um, you know, the little moments matter, kind of uh, pay attention to the little things in life, even the things that seem unimportant. There's, uh, I think, a lot of good messages about, about helping others, that life is about helping others, and there's fulfillment in, like, helping somebody else and not focusing on yourself. So many amazing ideas in this movie, mm-hmm. but I feel like ultimately, as as it got to the second half of the film and then ultimately the end of the film, you saw them picking up on one of these threads as, as maybe the theme or the message of the movie. When you have Joe like picking up these little objects and remembering like the little moments in life. And then at the very end, Joe gets like sent back and has another chance at life. And it's like, Oh, what are you going to do with your life? And he's like, I don't know, but I'm going to live every minute of it. And so what what you end up with is this kind of pay attention to the little moments, stop and smell the roses, right. if you will. And to me, that's a fine message. And yes, you should appreciate the little things in this beautiful world that we have. But is that really the strongest note in this amazing score? What, what is, is that... Is what that is, the I mean, best you could pull out of this? Yeah, I mean, bold the, movie, concept? the movie. I didn't. I wasn't planning on getting to this till later, but I think it's it. You know, it's a good follow up. The movie essentially at the end of it all, the movie essentially tells us that the purpose of life and the meaning of existence is being able to slow down and appreciate the small aspects of your temporal existence. Yeah. I, yeah, and I would say the there's the scene. So we, we rewind to around the middle of the movie when 22, this lost soul, who's really fearful and apathetic about becoming a person and being on Earth, is in Joe's body and Joe's the cat. And uh, 22 is like starting to, she finds herself like enjoying Earth and is like, you know, maybe my spark, you know, maybe my purpose, and I'm using those interchangeably, even though I think a core uh, twist is that a spark is different than a purpose. A core tenet of the film. Right. So uh, she said, maybe my thing can be walking, or I'm super good at walking, or like sky watching, like looking at clouds. Mm -hmm. And Joe, like, it's a throwaway line in the moment, it's revisited at the end. He goes like, those, you know, that's not a passion or a purpose in life. That's just regular living. You know, and of course, like that, even the moment I'm like, oh, oh, there's a little nugget. They're going to bring that one back in. So uh, I think I think that was a pretty strong note to finish on. But what of the other uh, message? What do you think they should have? Um, how how would they have tied the bow with something else, Nate? So could we talk about the ending of the film a little bit? Yeah. yeah. So I got to talk about the ending if I'm going to go there. Yeah. So the ending of the film, uh, again, Joe... Uh, basically helps 22 learn to appreciate life and to want to live. There's an incredible sequence where Joe and and 22 are, you know, flying to earth together and he's like helping her start her life um, on earth. Beautiful. Then Joe of course is 
dead. And so now he gets back on the escalator to head to the great beyond. And you wonder, like, is the film going to end? And then little door opens and, uh, and Jerry says, you know, we talked it over and and we're actually going to give you another shot because we thought you were really creative. So they, they send him back, back to earth. Hey, you get another chance. And then he he says that line of, yeah, I'm, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but I'm going to live every moment of it. That's the end. And, uh, I've read Pete doctor actually on, on Twitter and, and Pete's like, you know, we went through every possible ending to this movie. We tried everything. And when we found this ending, like we knew that we'd found it, this was the one. And so I want to put that out there and say, like, I'm not saying they didn't consider other things. They absolutely did. And they landed on this purposefully. They absolutely considered every other thing we might talk about. I totally believe that they have an incredible like brain trust, and, and they, they have these conversations and work through the stories. So they landed on this purposefully. I think there are some stronger endings. Um, I think a stronger ending could be if he doesn't get sent back. And actually, if he actually does die, um, but he's able to, to die with purpose and fulfillment, having given life to another. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of the, the sacrificial sort of ending. Uh, and it's I, I wish that he very had, bittersweet. Yeah, I, I wish that he had actually the whole time I wanted him to learn the lesson that everything that he thought really mattered isn't what really matters. Yes, which and, in and a way he did. He he does he does in a way, but I think that he I agree with you that I think that he would have learned that more effectively if he had even learned like like the the guy desperately wanted to not die, not because he loved his Mm -hmm. mom or he wanted to get things right with people, whatever. He wanted to play jazz, you know, with a particular celebrity. Right. And I think that he, he got the chance to do that. Yeah. And I think that the fact that I I almost was left asking like, why does he want to go back now? Mm. Mm -hmm. I I don't mind the ending in that it's, it's a little bit like if you, if you lose your life, you'll find it. Kind of thing. So he's he does lose his life. He does make the sacrifice and is rewarded for it. I think the reward is could be just as substantial if he does die, but he kind of accepts it and goes into the great beyond, like those old ladies at the beginning were. You know, they're like, "I've been waiting my whole life for this." And I loved that there. I just got to say, detail that was amazing. That the fact that not everybody on that escalator was American. Thank goodness for that. But like, I, like it's such yeah, a. I didn't know you could notice that. You didn't yeah, notice. like it's such a a strange detail in American movies where like we go to you know things like this. You go to like the afterlife or or like there's a convention of superheroes or whatever, and they're all American. And I'm like, yeah. come on. But, but let me just put put out one other yeah, idea here. Ahead. So that that's one direction that, that they could have gone in that personally I would have appreciated. But the other one is I think this film does an amazing job of of sending this message and this very good point of it's better to give than to receive. And actually we find the greatest happiness when we spend our lives serving others rather than ourselves. And Joe's dream is a pretty selfish dream, right? He wants to be a jazz musician. He wants to make it and he wants to be able to play the way he wants to play and be, be thought of as a great musician and, and whatever it's about him and his career. And then throughout the course of this film, he ends up literally being a mentor and having to kind of focus on somebody else, even though he didn't want to, that's what, that's what his task ends up being. And he's able to find joy and fulfillment in that. And he finds out that his passion is not, what he thought it 
it was going to be and, and that, that it wasn't all it cracked up to be. Yeah. And so you, you have really in the film this beautiful message about, about helping others. And I think it's a very, a very Christ-like message. Um, but I feel like there was low-hanging fruit here that they could have pulled. And, mm-hmm. and, and that is literally at the beginning of the film, the first scene of the film, you learn that Joe is a band teacher mm-hmm. he's he's, a, he's like a middle school band teacher and that's that's the opening of the film and he's not he doesn't feel fulfilled in that because he wants to be a great jazz musician but what is he doing as a band teacher he is mentoring others to find their passions and and and, and to and to figure out who they want to be and what they can do and so that's like Noble. literally the start of the film is him, him helping others, but not being fulfilled in it. And so at the end of the film, if you're going to send him back, if you're not going to make him go to the great beyond, if you're going to give him another chance, have him like go fulfilled back as a teacher, go back to his, go back to his job, like as a band teacher and now be fulfilled in that. And I think he did. I, I think he went back to his job. And I he mean, may have. And like guess that, but they don't tell us. It, no, they it, don't. It, and I get the idea of like, we'll leave it open-ended, but it was right there is like this symmetry. Yeah. Yeah. Like an artistic, very aesthetic, yeah. neat, beautiful. And, and they didn't, yeah. they didn't take the opportunity. And I feel like that ending would have sold that the film was about, again, it's better to, to focus on others and help others than, than fulfill your own dream. Yeah. But they didn't go there. And so it swerved the film in a different direction. Pixar, you are missing uh, a member on your creative team. All right. His name's Nate Mancini. You need to call him up. Again, they thought of this and rejected it. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I'm persuaded by that. I'm, let's go through quickly a few things like uh, stuff they do in the movie that we liked. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit us off with one. There is uh, in the great before where the souls are kind of being formed, something falls on a group of like little baby souls and 22 goes, don't worry, they're okay. Like you can't crush a soul here. That's what Earth is for. I just think that's a great line. I love mm-hmm. that. Yeah, um, yeah. I also felt a, a little seen, a little exposed watching this movie in that Joe is this teacher <laughs> of, hey like, man, a, of an art. And, uh, like, at night he's just, like, this sad artist that wishes he were, like, a really famous, successful uh, creator. And as an English teacher, maybe, Rich, you can relate on some level. Like, I've, if I had my way, I'd probably be a writer, <laughs> but I need to pay the bills. And so I'm like, I'll, I'll be a teacher and... uh you know, deep down, I'm like, I'm just like showing, I'm making my students read my own poetry. And it's this really sad thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not really, but that, that is a kind of, uh, I, I appreciated that tension because I, mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, Rich, to me, I think you're more mature in your teaching career than me. And you've kind of said, I, I'm content with what I do. Uh, my soul has been crushed already. <laughs> and I, uh, no, no, I think that, um, but, but seriously, I think that, uh, and I'll purposely try not to go like too far into this because we could do an entire episode about what I'm about to say. But I think that uh, while there are like you know great aspects of this movie that we talked about, the entire uh, soul related part of the movie separate from from this. But to me, what I actually took the most out of the movie and what what I thought was maybe the most beautiful part is just the story of this guy who is an artist and wants to be among artists. And he is, you know, I'm air quoting, forced to be a teacher, you know. Mm-hmm. And that this mm-hmm. this age-old story of, you know, a teacher is somebody who 
can't make it in the field. Right. So they like schlub themselves to school and teach, right? And even when when the, uh, I'm forgetting her name, but the jazz Dorothea Williams. Dorothea Williams says like, wow, we're we're listening to middle school band teachers now. Like that, Mm -hmm. that like, that cuts, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and I think, and I think that the, um, and to me, like, I mean, obviously I don't have a, a story like Joe's, but I think that, uh, I think that if any teachers are listening to this, I think a lot of us have a similar, uh, story where we become extremely passionate about a subject, be it, you know, science or I wanted, math to, I or wanted to be a president or, but now I'm a social studies teacher yeah or like you just love history or even like you are obsessed with history you want to be a professor of history right. who does research and writes you know whatever and it just doesn't you know end up or stack up and you end up teaching at you know the high school you went to or talking, whatever that talking is. about the Mayans every September to a bunch right of, and the kids yeah. care less and less every right. year but I think the <laughs> but the, the but the point is I went through that to a certain degree like that there was a time in my life you know not long ago I'm only 28 years old there was a time in my life where I still really wanted like if there was an opportunity to step out of what I'm doing and become you know this creative I would have dove at the chance Mm -hmm. and now playwright play director yeah for me it would have been any chance to work in professional theater Mm -hmm. I would have jumped at and now I uh, I don't feel that way anymore. Like if mm-hmm. if someone offered me a job in Broadway theater, well, pandemic aside, if someone offered me a job in Broadway theater, I don't think I would take it now. Mm-hmm. And and you know even like two or three years ago, I would have you know moved heaven and earth to take those jobs. And uh, I think that it, it was I felt very seen by the movie. You know, yeah, see, yeah. and it, and it was pretty cool that it was made. The, the movie, even though it it took some cracks at him being a middle school band teacher, it had respect for that position. Well, ultimately, yeah. it does. Even yeah. though, like Nate said, it doesn't put him back there. Ulti- I mean, that girl with the trombone, like I felt that. Like yeah. there are yeah. that girl is in all of my classes too. You uh-huh. know, uh-huh. and and as a teacher too, I I love the. Uh, it it just is so encouraging to me whenever I see like there are so many kids that don't care, but there are a few that do. And those are the ones yeah. that we're we're it's so worth there it. for. You know, it's what so I mean? worth it to be there for them. Mm-hmm. I'm with you in that, and I'm I'm mostly joking about this. I'm very excited about being a teacher. I think it's a life well spent. It's noble work. It's good stuff. And I think it leads me to a point I wanted to ask you guys about. It seems like these the two characters are foils for each other. So Jamie Fox and Tina Fey's character. So you've got Joe, who is dissatisfied with. He's offered like this great gig. He's like the principal comes up. He's like, "Hey, we want you to be oh, our full time You know how many people? You know pension? how many like, people want to be full time pension having music right? teachers? Yeah. So it's his great life. His mom is psyched for him. She's like, "Yes, you're like my my boy's going to be secure. He's like he's got a life for himself. He's going to be taking care of all of that." And he's dissatisfied with it. And he's like, "I want to pursue my passion. What's what's and that's that's really like where the story has ended in stories before this, right? It's pursue your dreams. Anything is possible, right? Yeah. And, and there's, there's something to that, right? Sure. Yeah. But yeah. you've got that, you've got that character who's, who's like his ambition is his flaw almost. And then you've got the opposite, this yin and yang of 22 who is so content in this really like, 
you know, the great before is not a place you're supposed to live forever. It is just a moment, and you're supposed to move on to bigger and better things. But she's apathetic and fearful and is just totally content with being comfortable. And they move in opposite directions as they grow, right? Joe learns to become more content with uh, whatever life brings, you know, because he the greatest thing, and I thought that, uh, 22 was going to stay in his body and she was going to have to play the gig that night for Dorothy Williams. I was right? expecting that too. Yeah, that was like you see that coming from a mile away, but our expectations are subverted really well when, no, Joe gets to play the gig and it goes terribly. No, it goes well. It's a, he, he performs well. Everyone's grateful. Family's there. They're proud of him. It goes well, right? But he's still left after thinking, there's got to be more than this. That didn't actually satisfy me the way I thought it would. And that is such a nuanced thing because that's, yeah. that's real. I mean, that's what life is like. You, you get to the top and you're like, uh, I mean, I would know. I haven't been close to the top yet, right? But uh, <laughs> I haven't reached your apex mountain yet. <laughs> well, there's, a lot but, of things, there's a lot of things that I w- wanted for a long time, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. You know, the first time I asked a girl on a date, she said yes. You know, like that's something that I, you know, you think about or whatever. Right. And then when you – and. Every time, I, if there's any story that needs to be told to millennials, it's every time you get to the top of whatever mountain you're climbing, it's not what you thought it was going to be. And there is, you know, spoiler alert for Front 360 listeners, the only thing that satisfi- satisfies is relationship with Jesus Christ. But, you know, I just think that that story is worth worthy of being told, no matter how many times we tell it. It's it's yeah. so true. And Nate, if I could just real quick, I just wanted to read this quote I took from uh, Moonwind, who is part of the Mystics Without Borders. Love that guy. Um, I have a friend who is Moonwind, by the way. Like, as I was watching the movie, I was like, that guy. We, well, we need to talk off air about your friends, but... There's um, one on every hall and every dorm. <laughs> here's what he says, right? He goes... It's just exposition. They're in that. They're not in the great before. They're in that place where like the lost souls are, right? That darker, a little more, even more obscure kind of. What? Where are we now? Okay, but he says lost souls are not that different from those in the zone. The zone is enjoyable, but when that joy becomes an obsession, one becomes disconnected from life. And then it pans to the uh, the guy with the metal detector. Just <laughs> love that. It's just an old an old guy on the beach obsessed so with that. Funny. And he's like treasure, 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 treasure. Right. And so I I kind of I thought of that as you know we that that axiom we hear all the time from our pastor and probably every pastor across the world. We we make idols out of good things by making them ultimate things. Right. And so. Jazz piano is not a bad thing, and wanting to play for Dorothy Williams is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's a good desire, but it was an ultimate desire in Joe's heart, and when he got it, it didn't satisfy the way he thought it would. And I, I just yeah. think that's... Can I bring something up with that? It's powerful. So, you know, this podcast, the intersection of the arts and the Christian faith. Mm-hmm. i got to bring this up. Joe had jazz you know, playing jazz with Dorothea Williams as an idol. And people a lot of times are like, oh, you know, what, what is an, what's an idol? What does that mean? Granted, there's a lot of reasons why the great beyond in this movie is not the heaven that the Bible speaks of. There's a lot of reasons that I could point to in the movie why that's not the case. But 
pretend for a minute we live in a largely Judeo-Christian culture, right? People understand what heaven is. Heaven is paradise. It's better than earth. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. everyone understands that. And Joe does not want to go to heaven. Yeah. He's on the yeah. escalator to heaven, and he would rather go back down and play jazz. And that, to me, that was one of my gripes with the movie, is that, and and I don't know a lot about Pete Doctor, actually, so I could be, I, I may not know, but I was, I'm under the impression that he's a Christian, correct? Yeah, he identifies as a Christian, uh, right. yeah. And so the thing is, I was, and I, I realize he's working with the whole team, you know, yeah. but, but my, my thought is, I was like, it seemed so strange to me that someone, Christian or not, with an understanding of the Christian mythos would create an environment that makes it so so seemingly clear that life on earth is better than what comes after and well, i that I just think, i think joe true. believes that at least I, yeah but i i definitely think the movie gave us that feeling i i think we were supposed to think that because i mean that even the fact that in the end like nate was saying they gave joe's reward was being able to go back down to mm-hmm. Earth. Yeah, that's true. You know, and, and it just was very interesting to me that, yeah. that I feel like, you know, how, you know, like our, our cultural mindset is made out of, you know, all these tiny little things that create our schema, right? We see movies, we read books. You know, this is, this is why we have to spend time uh, in Scripture, you know, because yeah. we need to build the schema with truth. And I think, and it just struck me a little discordantly because I'm... In a lot of Pixar movies, I'm pleasantly surprised with glimpses into that we're given into like lasting truth, mm-hmm. and I almost felt like this one like wasn't even shooting at the same target in in that way. You know, like I feel like there were a lot of, um, and again, I'm I'm talking specifically to Christians about Christianity right now, yeah. but there were, um, you know, multiple things about the spiritual world presented in this movie were not only not biblically accurate, but were actually opposite to many yeah. biblical truths. Well, if this were a biblical story, explicitly biblical story, then I would be disturbed or bothered oh, by of that course, too. Of course, of course. Th- and I'm not saying that I, it, yeah. it I don't think was it's, supposed to be. It wasn't a statement about the afterlife as much as it was a statement about the present life. In, Absolutely, and yeah. I, I'm not knocking the movie for that. I'm just saying, I'm just pointing out that yeah. as a Christian watching the movie, I was a little disappointed. Like, for example, if I was showing this movie to a bunch of young children, I would, yeah. I would, I would want to take the time to explain certain things in the movie that were not accurate yeah. to a biblical understanding and that's not something that i like when i was like oh pete doctor directed this movie called soul i was actually <laughs> expecting to have the opposite experience mm-hmm. you know and yeah. and and i did think and while it makes total sense and i think it was a really creative move i really enjoyed it it was very interesting that Moonwind and his you know diverse group of mystic friends are able to like at will move in and out of the great before you know i like i just thought that was really interesting That's so good those guys are onto something i'm telling you we laugh at them but they're nate what, what are you thinking about you want to go you want to talk about gnosticism or do you have anything before that well i'll i'll leave that to ben myers uh, i i think in regards to uh what rich was saying about what pete doctor uh did i i think in a way it, it was a clever swerve away from uh, making a point about eternity, which is to say, 
when you hear the name soul, you think, oh, wow, like this is going to be about the deepest truth. We're going there. Like we're totally going there. Like Christians talk about the soul. Like nobody else talks about the soul. This is going to be a whole, like there's going to be religious overtones everywhere. And then you find out that like, oh, he's like, you're like about to learn something about the afterlife and eternity. And then actually it's about the great before and Mm -hmm. earth and the great before and earth and maybe better back to earth. And so it's like, there's kind of this pull back from saying anything about what is in fact beyond. And it's actually really about what's before. And I think to Rich's point, there is still a sense and, and a, um, there is kind of a point of view, at least in the point of view of, of the characters as to how they feel about the great beyond. Mm-hmm. And we get a visual and a soundscape to indicate it. But I think it was purposeful that they avoided saying anything about what actually happens after sure. death and purposefully focused on yeah. prior to that. And anything about the spiritual realm was prior to life or immediately after death prior to actually arriving at any kind of location. And then also I think this idea of this, this bright sun, this darkness around it and this kind of escalator leading there and this like deep baritone choir that comes up every time. (laughs) Every time, every time the great beyond comes up, I think it is reflecting humanity's natural fear of death mm-hmm. that that basically humans in general fear death because it is unknown and as as christians we we have an understanding of the afterlife that god has given us and we do have a peace that that we will be with christ for eternity and that it's going to be good and yet there is still that feeling of unknown yeah because we haven't been there and it's not a place that we can look at and no nobody except Christ has come back from it to tell us what it's all about and so there there is this kind of fear and this uncertainty and i think the way they depicted it depicts humanity's fear and uncertainty about death and to rich's point doesn't say anything right. that would lend itself to a christian understanding of it it simply has that fear of the unknown sort of viewpoint yeah and I mean, let's, let's definitely not knock the addition of the great before, mm. you know, which mm-hmm. everybody knows. I mean, just culturally speaking, everybody knows the concept of, of heaven and hell, just a, like a pop culture right. understanding. Right. Yeah. But we don't, so we know, you know, in theory, something could come after, but we don't talk ever about what happens before. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and I think that that is something that I am happy to inject into the American cultural consciousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think it does a pretty good job of, of tiptoeing around like the controversial questions that would alienate huge swaths of the population. And it's just like, no, no, look, I know we're doing this story, but really what we want to do is tell a universal story about enjoying life and yeah. like being a good person to others and all that. So mm-hmm. I will, which are qu- good things. I will quickly hit on Gnosticism because I just thought about it. I Do it. S- I sound, Can you define that again? I sound intelligent when I say the word Gnosticism. It starts with a G. It's just very, I just love the word. Um, it Gnosticism is the heresy that uh, the body and the material world is inherently evil and that we should like strive for spiritual 
kind of existence, and that's the only way to be pure. Yeah, um, which collides with the the biblical you know understanding of people as embodied spirits, and know that the material world is not entirely evil when we don't make it an ultimate thing. And um, I just I like the way this movie flirted with that um, when twenty two. Um, first becomes Joe and is first thrust into Joe's body. She says some line like, um, she's never been in a body before, right? So she says something like, I'm in these like bendy meat sticks and I can <laughs> feel myself feeling myself. And I just thought that was hilarious. Um, also the fact in the great before you can't smell, you can't taste. Um, and when she finally eats pizza, which by the way, do you guys remember this? When the cat realizes that she's hungry. Yeah. Joe realizes she's hungry. He goes to get her a slice of pizza in New York and she eats it and is like, Oh, that's so good. Um, the huge missed opportunity. She definitely should have like eaten the pizza the total wrong way, like crust first or something. I thought <laughs> that would have been way more clever. I can't believe they missed that opportunity, but you can't, you can't win them all Pixar. So, um, anyway, I, I liked that. Uh, Yeah. 22 was so afraid of the material world and she ended up appreciating it. So, yeah. 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 And there was that great, um, you were talking about the yin and yang of, Mm -hmm. of Joe and 22 and just that idea that Joe is afraid to die and the material world is all that matters. And 22 is afraid to live. Yeah. That's a great, and that, that is a great, that's just aesthetics. That's like making a beautiful painting. That's good storytelling. So, I love that. Um, gentlemen, do we have final thoughts before we move on to rating our top five, uh, ranking our top five favorite Pixar movies? I was just going to say my favorite line in the movie is when uh, Terry realizes that the count is off. And he says and the he count says, is off? <laughs> no, he says, well, first of all, so many great New Zealand accents in this. Yes. But, um, uh, but the fact that he said, or somebody says, the count hasn't been off for something like thousands of years or something like that. And whether this was intended or not, I was like, that's Jesus. <laughs> the one dude that didn't, that he set off the count. <laughs> Terry was pissed. He, the count he, hasn't been off in 2000 years. Exactly. Yeah. Jesus cheated death. Yeah. <laughs> Low key. I love that. I'm uh, glad you caught that. Rich. Should we talk about any other like favorite moments or lines or anything? Do you guys have any others that come to mind? I love quick. This is kind of small thing, but the the classroom that Joe is in at the very beginning of the movie the is so scene. realistic. I like, know. Yeah. there's like the American coffee, flag that's like American falling flag, a little the bit. The old desktop, the co- like decrepit coffee cup. There's like oh. scuff marks in the wooden desk. It's just a very like yes, this is an actual like American, American public classroom, school classroom. Right? Yeah. So I really. It's a whole aesthetic i was like they killed it and the students are just one of the kids oh. is like i didn't bring my saxophone today. Yep. Yep. Like, oh okay you didn't bring your saxophone today okay this like this class <laughs> is an abject failure mm-hmm. except for this one kid who is a shining star uh, and if by the way if any of my students are listening to this somehow none of you are failures you're all wonderful and you're going to achieve your dreams you're if my stars. students are listening do your homework please <laughs> <laughs> um the uh my fa- i i just loved the scene when they were, you know, playing jazz together when he got back mm-hmm. that second time. And, you know, with the, uh, you know, whoever the musicians are that are playing in that jazz quartet, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. it's good on you. The music is so good. It's great. Yeah. And she, I, I don't know if this was intended or not, but um, give me your name one more time. Dorothea. Dorothea. 
Dorothea gave me strong, uh, you know, vibes of to Miles Davis. Miles the Davis. way that mm. she is drawn and the way her attitude and the way that she plays is very similar to late Miles Davis. And I and I, I don't. It wouldn't be surprising to me at all if that was purposeful. Miles Davis, either he or John Coltrane are probably like considered the greatest jazz artists, you know, at mm-hmm. least at the cool period. But so I just thought that was really cool. I, yeah. I will say quickly that the, the fact that I think this movie was written by a black man and uh, the protagonist is black and the, the music is jazz. And I'm thinking about uh, Victoria Moore just did a podcast for us recently. That was just recent release. And she talked about how, you know, discovering jazz music was, you know, helpful for, she felt like she was connecting with her people and times in her life when she otherwise felt alienated. And uh, I just think that's, that was kind of a nice, um, a a nice uh, place and context to build a story on, especially something that is wonderful about the United States and and America um, in a time when you're maybe having a existential crisis about your country. So, Sure. Uh, that is probably noteworthy as well. Yeah. Final thoughts, Nate, before we... There's just one one funny moment I want to bring up. When Joe and 22 go back to, to Earth and they, they swap bodies, you know, 22 gets into Joe's body and Joe gets into the cat's body. Mm-hmm. I don't love the body swap comedy thing. I don't gen- generally love that. I see how it was a plot vehicle, whatever. But there was this really funny moment right after that happens right after they realize that they're not in the right bodies and joe realizes that he's in the cat Mm -hmm. and it cuts to the cat the cat's soul on the escalator to the great beyond and you hear that baritone choir like oh (laughs) it's like one second right it's like blink and you miss it Uh, but it's just so funny it's like because if someone asks like wait like Where'd the cat soul go? Right, right, it's like, well, the cat's off to the great yeah. beyond now. Or the scene where Which Terry... Which is jarring because after he leaves the cat's body, the cat is still alive. The cat so. comes back. Oh, yeah. oh, that cat's I wonder terrible. if he was yanked out of heaven. Well, the cat is mortified in the same way that that guy from the barbershop that looked like Joe was yes, more... Terry, yes. th- Terry thought he found yeah. Joe. Yeah. He rips him out of his... And Terry's like, oh, yeah. oh, never mind. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. I won't be seeing you for a long Stop time as long as you... Process just food. Process food. <laughs> um, I thought that... Oh, really? Really quickly, this was maybe the funny. I thought the funniest part of the movie when they're ex- explaining the lost souls, and they they cut to like the investment banker on Wall <laughs> yes, Street, yes. and he's like, "We we helped him find his like meaning in life again," and yeah. he just like snaps out of a comatose like pecking at a keyboard and just says, "I quit," you know, and he starts. <laughs> he's like, "What am I doing with my life?" Yeah, and then as he's that? ripping the computers off, he's like, "Free yourselves!" <laughs> he's knocking everyone's computers over. Yeah, so that's good. so adult. That's like kids yeah, that don't yeah. get the monotony of like anyway. That's great. Another investment banker. <laughs> yeah. so Moonwind. Uh, so good. Really, really great movie. Um, let's talk. Let's talk. I, maybe this cracked one of our lists. Let's talk about. Uh, I asked you guys to rank Oof. your top five favorite Pixar movies. This took me about five minutes and a little bit of thought. Nate was probably praying and fasting over this for about a week. I it's know this cruel, is man. difficult for you to do. It's cruel. Um, I probably should have opened it to 10, but uh, well, it was fun. just hard for me because it's so difficult. Uh, nostalgia. To choose between the Cars movies. Yeah, but <laughs> nostalgia is such a powerful force. I know. And it's very hard sometimes to be like, is this movie objectively good or did I watch it when I had not a care in the world? Yeah. <laughs> you know it's, what I mean? Yeah, nostalgia won out on my list, but yeah. It can be a powerful ally. Exactly. <laughs> By the way, why didn't we hear 
when Joe was talking about being dissatisfied with reaching his dreams, why didn't Al Pacino say, It was not what I wanted! There Thank you. we go. <laughs> there it is. I thought I was going to play with Dorothea Williams. And... All right. And so it is. I'm going to start here uh, with my list. Uh, I'm going to start at five and work my way up to my favorite Pixar movie of all time. Do it. Okay. Number five, Finding Nemo. I We went, my elementary school went on a field trip, which means we walked three blocks in the spring to the little theater in our town and watched this movie. And I love it. I think it's hilarious. Um, I I love Finding Nemo. You know, they go on a field trip in Finding Nemo. They do. <laughs> it doesn't really end very well. <laughs> they do. End well. No one, I believe, was like lost and ended up on the other side of the world at, as a result of my field trip. Number four, I put Soul at number four. Wow. I know. I, I thought It cracked the top five. It did because I'm like, look. Again, I don't think I would have liked this movie when I was seven years old, but I'm 27 years old, and that was very thoughtful, and it was not a perfect movie. Again, I thought it was a little convoluted and a a little too ambitious, but uh, really thoughtful and philosophical and profound, and it really, like, went there. And I didn't cry at the end. I wanted to. Other people were crying at the end of it. I wanted to be one of those people. I did not, but uh, I can see why they did, you know? So so it's it's up there. Number three. Toy Story 3. I rewatched this recently. Mm-hmm. I think it's among the greatest third installments of any movie ever. Like, incredible movie. Incredible movie. Uh, I'm a sucker for Toy Story. Number two is, uh, again, I could probably, these could probably go in different orders, but I'm going to put Coco at number two. Uh, that one really surprised me. Talk about, that was the first Pixar movie that I watched, and I was like, oh, this movie's way smarter than me. Like this, I did not see that coming at all. Yeah. So the surprise of that movie is when my respect for Pixar went up another notch and where it's been for the last few years. So I love Coco also, not to brag, but that's what uh, they used to call me when I was a little kid. So, Ooh, um, nostalgia. <laughs> uh, speaking of nostalgia, my number one is Toy Story. I watched this movie at least 500 times between the ages of like three and five years old. My mom put this on all the time. We had the VHS. Um I I could talk all day long about that movie. Um, it, it's an absolute gem and an important an important movie for tons of reasons. But if it's not on either of your lists, then we're going to need to have a conversation. But uh, who who's up next, Richard? Let's make you go next. Okay. Do we have any? First of all, any surprise reactions, criticisms about I'm my su- list? Surprise souls on there, but I mean, we haven't talked about Pixar movies too much, so I guess. Mm-hmm. I didn't really know what to expect, but I guess one of us had to put soul on it. This is the soul episode. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So going for the bottom. So correct. Yeah. So my number five is also finding Nemo. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think finding Nemo is a great, great movie. I think that the fact that finding Nemo is a bit older now is why it's at number five and not higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that it, you know, I'm just saying that, a lot of great movies have come out since Finding Nemo, which makes it more difficult. But I think Finding Nemo was a groundbreaking movie when it came out. Yeah. Um, I also think that Finding Nemo is an interesting cultural time capsule because it it uh, hits right on the you know the apex of the uh, helicopter parent era. You know where where like <laughs> yeah. you know where uh, sociologists will remember. Mm-hmm. So I think that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, four, I put up. 
Nice. It was very difficult mm-hmm. to not put up at a higher rank. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. That montage uh, in the beginning of Up all time. Yeah. But unlike a lot of people, I, th- I, I like the rest of Up, too. A lot yeah. of people are like, I love Up. But I don't like it after the first ten minutes. No, but I, I don't know I like what's the going on thing. when the dog is talking with a remote. I don't. I'm not sure what's happening there. I need to rewatch it, maybe. But mm. go ahead. The dogs in the little like World War One planes. That's where it loses me a little bit. <laughs> but anyway, um, they fly now. <laughs> they fly now. All right. So um, number three is Inside Out. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, Inside Out made me. I mean, I. I'm not a person that doesn't cry in movies, let's say, but I was really surprised. I watched Inside Out at my own house casually on Disney Plus. Like I wasn't expecting to be emotionally moved and I like totally cried in Inside Out. Oh, had wow. you had you seen it before then? No, I just wow. watched it like casually at my house wow, like yeah. last summer or something. Were you yeah. alone? No, my wife was with me. Okay. Yeah. I I the uh the the part with, you know, when Bing bong sacrifices oh, himself. I, I lost it, I man. Know, we man. had to pause it. I couldn't pay attention. Oh. I, I feel dumb now because it's Inside so Out good. is a, Inside Out is a better movie than Soul, but it didn't. I, I, we could we could debate this. I, we could debate that. It's an amazing. Guy. I'm, I'm yeah. ashamed it's not on my list. Yeah. Um, number two, I put Toy Story. I I think that Toy Story, um, because it's 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 such an early Pixar movie. I think that sometimes and the characters are so iconic as like just icons or like memes or whatever mm-hmm, it's yeah. sometimes hard for us to remember how meaningful that movie is and so it, it originally it was lower on my list and the more i thought about it, i was like man there's a lot of lessons i learned from toy story and a lot of like character tropes that i understand now because of that yeah. and that they're playing with so many different character types at once in that movie you are a child <laughs> plaything. exactly but i mean the character of yeah. woody the character of buzz a lot of those other toys yeah. the character of andy there's so much oh going gosh. on in that movie it's 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 a masterpiece really yeah. and i've also seen critics uh, in, I was looking at some stuff about Pixar movies, and some people said that Toy Story uh, is actually one of the best comedies of the 90s. And I was like, yeah, it definitely it is. is man. Like, there it are is. some very funny, you know, the, like, sucking down Darjeeling with it's, Mrs. Nesbitt. It's, like, it's, it's very funny. It's Tom Hanks and Tim Allen. Yeah, like, it's, it's unbelievable, yeah. And... um like Buzz's disillusion when he sees himself on television yes, and he realizes he's a toy. It's beautiful. And <laughs> so and my good. I can't experience this myself, but my dad has shared with me that that movie excellently captured the transition that people in my dad's generation experienced of the shift from cowboys to spacemen. Wow. And yeah. I, I just think, you know, with the moon landing. And yeah, I just yeah. think that's a really cool cultural moment for this movie to to capitalize wow. on. So Toy Story is up there. Um, this was, re- it was hard to pick number one. I, I like shifted a couple of these around, but I, I ended on The Incredibles wow. for number yeah. one. And the reason why I say that is because I think The Incredibles is just an all around you know, if we were looking at like stats, you know, for the different movies, The Incredibles is the most balanced all around great Pixar movie. So yeah. like there are other movies that have more things that make me cry or other movies that have funnier scenes or whatever, but The Incredibles has it all. It's the most complete. Balanced. Yeah. You. And I think like The Incredibles has ver- a bunch of really funny sequences. It has, it's very heartfelt 
great action sequences, excellent music, really clean animation. The, the action is yeah. good. Like yeah. it makes you want to be a superhero. Oh yeah. Me- yeah, very memorable characters. Like that family easily could have had like really canned characters. Each one of the Incredibles characters is distinct and memorable. You know, I, I, the Incredibles is so good. Syndrome, yeah. like no, but like Syndrome's motivation, so good. You know, yeah. I just yeah. It's, the Incredibles is a great movie. One of the best superhero movies of all time. I mean, it is. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, I yeah. can't. I and can't the music, man. Like, ugh, The Incredibles, like, that's a great list. So good. That art. Michael Gacchino. That art deco. Like, they did the art deco, like, mid century modern superhero thing <laughs> mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. well. Yeah. It was amazing. It was smart. Yeah. yeah. Great list. Solid list. Good list. Two very good lists. Very different lists. Very different. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, Shrek is my is my number. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Sorry, go and, ahead. There, and there it is. Um, so, before I go into my list, I just have to to tee it up with this. I had to decide what kind of a list I was going to make. This oh. is like Cody making yeah, like, a Star Wars list, yeah. right? He's like, "Oh, is it going to be like the best Star Wars movie or like the one that I want to watch most?" Okay, so the way I decided it's episode to make, three, either way, so. <laughs> Well, Cody's lists were different, huh? Um, so the way that I decided to go about this is I, I said, look, I could I could make the best, what I think are the best Pixar movies from like a filmmaking perspective, or I could do the ones that are just most meaningful to me. And so I chose to do the ones that are most meaningful to me because these are personal lists. We're ranking it for the fun of it. You learn more about each other by your rankings, right? Mm-hmm. So th- these are these are Pixar films that are meaningful to me. I love how seriously you're taking this. Yeah. It's a beautiful I, thing. It's a great trait. Go ahead. Absolutely. It's like it's like Cody and Tarantino. Yeah. It's like that. That's right. Um so we're drawing from our childhoods here. We are. Yeah. And, and this was so this was so hard. Like narrowing it down to to 7 was like I could get to 7. I could get there. <laughs> But five was just like, come on, man! I'm sorry, man. You can it's, you can uh, shout some runner ups out. I'll, I'll do an honorable come on, mention. Man. Come, come on, man! Come on, come on, man! So, uh, number five, Monsters Inc. Yeah, that almost made my list. Monsters Inc. Incredible movie, mm-hmm. incredible characters. I mean, Sully and Mike, Christopher Walken. <laughs> Name a more iconic duo. I'll wait. Like, <laughs> yeah. what an incredible duo! What an incredible film! Uh, has so much to say about like the, this concept of you want to get rid of a problem, but then once you're rid of the problem, you kind of wish you had it back. Yeah, and it's like, you know, they get rid of the kid, but it's like really fell in love with the kid. Um, so that's, it's just such a great movie, such an incredibly creative concept. The premise is like elevator pitch that it's like, you can say one sentence and it's like, absolutely. That's genius. Yeah. 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 It's like, what if the monsters in your closet were just doing their job? (laughs) Such a good idea. (laughs) So terrifying after all. It's just, it's classic Pixar and it holds up today. Yeah. Yeah. You watch it again. It holds up. Number four. Toy Story 3. Now, Cody put Toy Story 3 on his list. I love it too. Amazing movie. Um, but I'm going to give you a little spoiler alert here. Toy Story and Toy Story 2 are not on the rest of this list. Yikes. Even though Toy Story 2 is basically a perfect movie. It's an incredible movie. And Toy Story was incredibly iconic. Did you know that Toy Story 2 was originally supposed to be a straight-to-DVD release? 
or straight to VHS release. That's I true. don't remember that. Well, yeah, and then they they after while they were in mid production, somebody saw it and was like, "Wait a minute, this should go to theaters." <laughs> wait, 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 what are we doing here? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> incredible. Yeah, so um, so I put Toy Story three on here because again, I was trying to like, what what are the films that are meaningful to me? And Toy Story three, when I think back to the Toy Story films, it's just the one that it just impacted me the most. It just got to me the most. It's just about. You know, it's about the next stage, right? Moving on. It's like Andy's going off to college and what now? And like so much about life is like stages ending and a new stage beginning. And what do we do now? Such a satisfying conclusion. And a satisfying conclusion. We thought it was the conclusion. Yeah, and then they gave us the fourth one. But still, you know, what an incredible ending. Regardless of what comes later. They can't take Toy Story three away from it was us. Beautiful, and four is fine too, but three yeah. is just masterful. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's amazing, and uh, just the peril at the end is is also palpable. Number three, Ratatouille. Yes, I'm glad you're gonna. Wow, go ahead, spotlight. Very that. surprised. Talk actually. about it. Yeah. Talk about it now. I feel like this one's a little bit controversial. A lot of people don't really like Ratatouille. Um, maybe some of it's due to like the aesthetics, and it's just like, oh, it's a lot of rats. It's European. Um, it's that's Europe. Or that's maybe, a European movie. Or maybe it's European, and people are just just all you know USA. Um, <laughs> but again, these are these are just the, they're the films that that are most meaningful to me. I love Ratatouille. I have so much fun with it. There's just some like lines in it that are just they're just like stupid lines that I find hilarious. Like what? Like um we know they're like, at your access. Like Chef Skinner is like Linguini, like what are you doing in in the freezer? And he's like, I'm just familiarizing myself with the the the, the, the vegetables, the vegetables. <laughs> and and it's just, Chef Skinner is like, one can get too familiar with vegetables, you know. And it's like, <laughs> what is that? Uh, and like, it doesn't. It's just an incredible. It's an incredible movie. And so many of these like you know, French caricatures. Um, for me, a, a couple things that are are special about it. One, I, I lived in London as a kid for a little while. So I spent some time in Europe. Um, my family has traveled to Europe a bunch of times. And so I've kind of been immersed in some European culture. And so a lot of the, um, aesthetics and aura and, uh, and and accents and ideas in that film just kind of hit home for me because it's set in Paris. Right. Um, plus that movie taught me to combine like sharp cheddar cheese with strawberries Ooh, yes. which is a legitimately a great Delicious. combo so thank you ratatouille yeah so much just just or french ra- cuisine wait the rat's name is not ratatouille his is name it? is remy, remy is, sorry remy thank you remy the, sorry ratatouille is the dish he of makes of course and like how many movies are there really about food that are like actually good movies it feels like well that's probably like a tv show about like people cooking fine but it's like this is like a real narrative movie about food it's like cuisine and like i've been saying it since the beginning thing cooking is art you heard it here it is and that's the other (laughs) incredible thing about this movie is what it has to say about about creativity and art and about art criticism um just just when you get to the the end of the film and and you have anton ego you know talking about what, what what he's learned about his own criticism and just realizing that like the average piece of junk is probably worth more than our criticism designating it. So, and you just, you realize like, man, it's, it's better to like build than to tear down. Mm. And Hey, we love to criticize. It's so fun. It's fun to write and to read. Yeah. 
but there's so much value in creation and Ratatouille brings that home. And just because everyone can podcast doesn't mean everyone should podcast. It's true. But here we are. Go ahead. Hopefully you're okay that we are. (laughs) Thanks for listening this long. Let us know in the comments. (laughs) Smash that subscribe button. Let us know your list. Um, Number two, Inside Out. Mm -hmm. Look, Inside Out, it was on Rich's list. It's so beautiful. It's a beautiful movie. I just look increasingly dumb for not having it on my list. It's, you it's should go home, home, Cody. We can close the episode. <laughs> can you guys close it? You I need, need to, to go, go home, home and rethink, rethink your life. life. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so We're jazzing. So that yep. aside, I mean, I think the, the, the thing that's worth saying about, about this is just, look, instead of it just being like, find your joy in life, what does this movie say? The greatest joys are found through sadness that mm-hmm. the way up is down. What an incredible message for a, what quote, a Christian children's message. movie. So, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, what an incredible thing. Yeah. Sadness mixed with joy. Inaccessible for kids. Yeah. Which is hard to execute that. Bittersweet and beautiful. I love it. And I have a daughter now, so it's only going to get more You're going to uh, enjoy that movie. Beautiful. Yeah. I think so. For years to come. Yeah. All right. With number one is wait, coming out. What are we guessing? Do we have predictions? Right well, here? the fact that he didn't say no that either story. of the other Toy Stories are up there. Yeah. I, it's not Soul, I, obviously. He I, made fun of me for. Is it? Is it up? No. Think, no. I know what it is. It's what your number one was. It is. I know he's he's an think? incredible nut. Watch this. All right. What's your uh, prediction? I thought what it was going to be up. It could be. I, I'm going to guess Incredibles. All right. Cody says Incredibles. Rich says up. It is up. What? Incredibles isn't in I, your I top. I think I knew that Up was one of Nate's very favorite films. Oh my yeah. gosh! Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and and here's I'm why. I'm surprised, really surprised that I mean it's his personal list. Just yeah. surprised that Ratatouille outbeat Mr. Incredible. <laughs> well, yeah, and as I thought about it, I thought um, it, it, the Incredibles was the one that that had to get knocked off the list, and the Incredibles is my honorable mention. That's nice, that's nice. the number okay. six, and All it's right. such an amazing movie. It's a great movie. But when I thought back to The Incredibles, the one thing that made me say, I can leave this off the list, is I was like, it doesn't make me cry. Okay. Right? Like, it's an amazing movie. I love it. I laugh. I cheer. But it doesn't make me cry. It doesn't, it doesn't take me on the same emotional journey that these other movies do. So that's why it got left off the list. I still love you, Incredibles. <laughs> All right. Number one is up. Uh well, what's what's left to say about Up? Incredible movie, beautiful, hilarious. I love it. It's so it's so creative. But I think if I were to just talk about the the kind of sequence that does it for me, the scene where Carl is is opening his book of memories and just looking back at the, at the memories of his life with his wife, um, that scene brings me to tears every time. Mm-hmm. Just, just this idea of looking back and seeing the beauty of, of his life, and then after that, she's like, you know, now, now go, go live a new adventure, and he has to figure out like, how, how do I, how do I move beyond this? Accept the beauty of what came before, but also move on to something new, and then you have the sequence where. He he gets rid of all his old furniture, even his pictures, even his entire house. Ultimately, 
but he gets rid of all his stuff so that his house can be light enough to rise and he can, he can meet his new adventure. And it's like, man, the ability to respect the past, be grateful for it and ultimately let go of it. It's poetry to move on to what's next and the adventure that God has for you. And it's like, look, we're straining toward what is ahead. We're, 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 we're leaving behind the past and we're straining toward the future. We're pressing on. And that's, that's what up does for me is it gets me excited about doing that. Wow. That's my number one. I was not prepared for you to unpack all those like that. I am, I am in a, I'm in a state right now where I love you guys. I'm, I'm grateful for this. I feel like I'm in the zone podcasting right now. I Mm. feel like I'm, I'm in that zone that uh, soul refers to. And, uh, you're like, I want to have a movie night now and watch all these. Again. I know. Like, what do we do? You guys want to call in sick from work tomorrow? And uh, absolutely, we'll, we'll talk. <laughs> Rich's Rich's eyes like, you guys serious? Because I can make this happen. <laughs> you serious? <laughs> I teach from home, baby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good stuff. Well, gentlemen, it is a pleasure uh, to just ponder art with you and uh, follow the uh, fo- follow the art to the the source and. Um, I'm thankful for times to reflect on, on great stories with you uh, because it uh, brings me closer to our great Lord. So uh, sincerely, love you dudes and thankful for this. Uh, we hope that this podcast is refreshing to your soul. And uh, if you enjoy it, you can uh, leave us a little review. Um, until next time, keep pursuing authentic faith and excellent art. <laughs>